Hello and welcome to another Perpetual Outsider podcast. Thank you for joining me. My name is John Bensalia. Now, today we're going to look at another generation game. This one is from the year of Larry Grayson years. This uh, originally was broadcast on the 14th of October 1978. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Here we go. Should be starting up in a minute. Yep, here we go. So, Larry Grayson's taken the Generation Game. The last time I uh, I did a podcast on the Generation Game, it was uh, from the uh, the last Bruce Forsyth season, and the following year he went off to do uh, the Big Night, which uh, was actually which was actually broadcast opposite this one. Um, he previously started um, the show the week before on the seventh of October, and. This was the show that actually proved that the generation game was still pulling the viewers in because I think the big night I don't think I don't think it got that many viewers. I think it probably got about um I, I, I don't think it actually reached the top twenty, whereas previously the the previous week it had, but that I think by now the novelty had worn off. So obviously the BBC's gamble with casting Larry Grayson as the replacement host of worked. And Alan Boyd, the producer, when it came to hunting for Bruce's replacement, he didn't want a deliberate kind of presenter who was the same as Bruce Forsyth. They were thinking about Roy Castle, who had deputised on the 29th of November edition of 1975. But they wanted somebody who would make a kind of deliberate contrast. And you don't get much more contrasting than Larry Grayson, who I, I, I think does a wonderful job. And this was um, when when Larry was presenting. This was when I first started watching the Generation Game, and I've I've got a lot of fond memories of watching uh, the Larry Grayson Generation Game episodes because um, you know it, it reminds me of when I was you know a little kid, no cares in the world. You know, you did worry about taxes or money or bills or or anything like that, or you know you, all the adult worries that you have. So along along with Larry and now Wireless Claire, who's coming on here. As uh, Larry's hostess, um, yeah, it, it it brings back a lot of me- you know fond memories. You know, it'd be me, mum, dad, sister Emma, you know, huddled around the TV on a Saturday night in the autumn, and uh, you know, the colder months, and it was it was just great times. You know, you had Basil Brush, Doctor Who, Generation Game Two, Ronnie's, you know, some drama. I I, th- I think I had to go to you know I, I was too young to stay up for the uh, for the later stuff. Um, so yeah, a, a, a lot of fond memories, and obviously a lot of people agree with it because this was the um, this was really the show that kind of was kind of like the make or break time for Generation Game because it did it did very well ratings wise. So here we go. Um, first up, we've got the first contestants who are Elsie and Philip. Um, Elsie used to um, sell sheet music and. Um, Nowadays, you know, in this show, she's got a much more mundane job as a receptionist in a, in a doctor's. And um, she, uh, but she does enjoy playing the violin. I, I, I like, um, I like the way that Larry kind of interacts with, with the contestants. Um, it's, uh, I, th- I think whereas with Bruce Forsyth, he used to be a lot more waspish, but I think there's a lot more 
there's still that little bit of teasing with Larry, but it's it's a lot more it's it's a lot a lot less waspish, I think. You know, there's more of a kind of a, a warmth there, I think. And one thing that he does a lot in these generation game episodes is that he always asks the contestants whether or not they they enjoy themselves. You know, at the end at the end of um each round, he says, you know, oh, did you have a nice time? Did you enjoy yourself? And then he says, and then he says, I'm so, I'm so pleased. So, uh, yeah, like I, like I said, a, com- a completely different take with uh, with the way that Larry hosted the show. You know, it's, it's, he's a lot more bumbling and a lot less, uh, a lot less in control of things. You know, it's kind of like it's almost like the games kind of spiral out of his control a lot because. Uh, you know, he, he tries to kind of participate in quite a few of the games and he, he just never really, he never really gets the hang of it. He's, uh, um, it's, it's, it's more of a refreshing take, I think. And I, I think the, uh, the contrast between Larry Grayson and Bruce Forsyth worked, uh, worked very well. But of course, he'd, you know, he'd still get those looks to the camera. They, they always used to um, have the, uh, the camera trained on the host. You know, for when, you know, either Bruce or Larry did their infamous uh, silent looks to the camera. Uh, I, I read an interview, actually. Uh, no, I saw an interview, actually. Sorry, I forget what his name was. It could have been Bill Morton, I think. He was the, the vision mix. And they were carefully line up, I think it was camera three, on the host. They would always kind of, and they'd have to anticipate how quickly they could get the, uh, the, the looks on the camera. And they'd always just be ready and waiting for for when um, you know either Bruce or Larry would kind of make this comedic look to the camera, and it was uh, that was an art in itself, apparently. Now I've just talked over the um, the other guy, um, Elsie's son Philip, who spells uh, who spells Philip with a, another P. I'm not really quite sure why. And when he was three, uh, apparently Philip painted all over his pet cat, like you do. He was not amused. The pet cat. Oh, sorry. These are these are terrible jokes. Nothing like a good joke. So next up, we've got Trixie and Steve, who this time are mother and son-in-law. Um, what can I say about Trixie? Um, she's kind of like living a, she's living a little bit like the goods, like the uh, Richard Bryce and Felicity Kendall used to do in um, in the Good Life. She likes her. Uh, she uh, leads a self self I still can't shake off that Sean Connery voice. Leads a self sufficient lifestyle, uh, and she once uh, went to a went to a garden party in honor of old Mrs. Madge, but uh, um, but uh, her shoes caused her grief. <laughs> and uh, again, uh, one of the um, running themes of the Larry years is his hatred of. Smelly feet, and quite right too. And of course, there's a uh, unfortunately, unfortunately for Larry, lots of smelly feet gags in this episode. I'm not really quite sure why. But yeah, um, I think that the Larry and Isla dynamic is is actually quite interesting because Isla kind of gets to. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, Isla Sinclair, she was a Scottish lassie who would. Uh, um, she she would turn up on various uh, sort of like kids TV and news programs as well. She no, not news programs so much, but she would kind of like go out and about in like the country in the Highlands, and she would and she used to sing as well. She used to take her acoustic guitar and sing these kind of folk songs. 
But with Larry, she kind of she's kind of there to actually act as the um, as the anchor between the games. She actually announces the games. She's kind of like the more steadying influence, I think. Whereas with Athia, she was just kind of there to um, stand and look pretty rather than kind of fulfilling the, the function that Ina does, really. And it's, it's, it's a great partnership. You know, you can tell that they were very good friends. There's a, there's a, there's a great warmth between the two. So up next, we've got Steve. Uh, currently works in the post office. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know if he still does. He's probably... Uh, Probably retire by now. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're looking at TV that's over forty, you know, that's nearly forty-four years old. Um, but 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 then he worked in the post office, um, but also worked for some reason down tunnels because he's because he's quite skinny. And during one uh, when he was working through floorboards, for some reason he got stuck through the ceiling, uh, like you do. Yes, I, I couldn't find out anything about the uh, the contestants for this episode. Whereas uh, with the previous one, there there was you know a fair bit of info on the web. But uh, well, if if any of you contestants uh, just on the remote chance that you happen to be listening in, then uh, you know uh, hello. Hope you hope you're still alive and well. I'm, I'm not sure about the elderly contestants, but uh, maybe the younger ones are still with us. Who knows? I don't know. So anyway, I think we're about to get into our uh, our first game, which unfortunately you can't escape the um, the Doctor Who influence because uh, I, I think a certain metal dog is about to uh, pop up in this one. But this one is about um, guessing the right breed of five puppies, which yeah, th this sort of game. The thing with a generation game is it can repeat itself quite a bit, and they do have kind of like the same games, and like this one where you've got you've got five dogs coming on, you've got five puppies coming on, and you have to guess the breed of dog. And I I know they did they did this quite a lot. I know they did this at least twice. I think there's um off the top of my head they did one on nineteen seventy four November, um which. Uh, which is the St Andrews Day one, and they did one in the um, the Strike Edition of nineteen seventy seven. That <laughs> this little puppy's on wheels. I mean, he's, he literally has to be dragged in. I think you know he got on well with K nine. I think. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yes, um, yeah. The the other one uh, went out in November nineteen seventy seven. Um, which was the which had to go off part way because of the strike. The BBC literally blacked out via the second half of that episode, and it wouldn't be shown until New Year's Eve, nineteen seventy-seven. Look at all these dogs! Oh, I, I, I bet these dogs still aren't alive. They can't be. I mean, who ever heard of a forty-four-year-old dog? So now the contestants, they now have to guess uh, which breed is which. Um, so for number one, we've got um, the dog's name is called Windham, Windamorella, I think. I, I don't know. Um, the, you've got two different answers. Uh, one is a Spaniel. I think Philip and Elsie call it a Spaniel. And... Is it fair pronunciation? Yes. And Trixie and Steve uh, think it's a... Uh, they think it's a red setter. Uh, 
And uh, Elsie and Philip, they think next one is an Irish terrier, and they're nearly there. They're nearly there. Why is it my voice? I should I should let you know, um, folks, that I've got a a bit of a cold. So if I suddenly uh, start squeaking like I did there, oh, gosh, I'm like this, then it's because I've got a cold. Um, this is the thing when you're a, a dad of uh, two daughters, you know, you, you pick up your daughter's colds very, very easily. So, uh, yes, the, uh, they, uh, the last dog was an Airedale Terrier called Baby Breeze. Third one, they both teams correct, uh, correctly guessed them. It's an old English sheepdog called Candy. The fourth one is a Pyrenean Newfoundland. They both get it wrong. It's a golden retriever called Braveltine Roseburg. Braveltine Roseburg. Strange name. Yeah, Larry agrees. He, he doesn't. He doesn't know anything about that. They do come up with some really strange names. And finally, we've, we've got a beagle, and she's got another strange name. She's called Clothergate Deirdre, which sounds like some ghastly drag name or something. I don't know where on earth they get these names from. Yeah, Elsie and Philippa just thought it was a basset, so they're not doing uh, some some mixed results here for the games. <clears throat> and amazingly, none of the dogs actually pee, uh, which they did in the uh, the 1974 one, much to her who's also shagging. He was not amused by. And I think we're about to see K9. Is he trundling on? Oh, yeah, here he goes. Whenever he applauds, yeah, you can guess. Yay! Yay! <laughs> of course, this would have been broadcast straight after the Pirate Planet, uh, part three, the Pirate Planet in Doctor Who. And he actually mentions the planet Zanak. It's got a bit of a strange voice. They kind of distort the voice, whereas they don't do that in, uh, in Doctor Who. But, um... Yes, John Leeson actually recorded this. Uh, he, he probably actually just finished recording The Power of Kroll because he was playing Jugi. They also filmed this in October 1978. Uh, the actual dates for the recording show how near the wire the recording was in those days. This was recorded on the 12th of October and it was broadcast on the 14th. So how on earth they managed to get this all tied up and in the can? And they must have done this as live because... Um, it's it's hardly any time at all to actually get this in the can for only a couple of days later. And this was an extra, I think, on the uh, the Invisible Enemy DVD, I think. And the, um, of course, K9 uh, comes up with a terrible pun of Larry's, you know, where he's, he always says, shut that door, and K9 says, shoot that Labrador. So whoever wrote that should be zapped by K9. And off they all go. I, hope, I think canine's frightening one of the dogs there, actually. <laughs> so, what are the schools of the dogs? We've got Elsie and Philip on five points, and Trixie and Steve on four points. So, it's anybody's game at this moment. So, what's the next game? Well, I was introducing uh, a glove puppet, which looks like it's made out of a, an old um, washing up glove. And a toilet roll with um, some fuzzy felt stuck on to make her hair and a beard. 
Uh, this is what uh, this is what the contestants are going to do next. We've got Sandra Long, who is uh, who has come along to show you how it's all done. And all you know, it's it's very repeat all this. You you just get um like a roll of card, and you've got a tube of glue, which Sandra's putting lots of glue on there, spreading that on. No, it's actually it's actually plastic foam. It's actually not uh. It's actually not card at all, it's foam. So Sandra is making a glove puppy called Foam Face. And Sandra's uh, wrap, now wrapping the, uh, the plastic foam around the tube of cardboard with uh, lots of glue. And I'm, I'm amazed that, you know, there aren't any warnings about, oh, you kids, be very careful when you're, when you're making this. You know, in, in case you were... Uh, in case you get into trouble. In case you get in a jam or a stick with, uh, with glue. And Sandra's using wire wool for the hair. She's using stick-on studs for eyes. And she's also got eyebrows and a moustache. And if she added glasses, uh, she would have got a good look-alike of Philip, who uh, looks a little bit like him, actually. I mean, I wonder how many takes they actually did with, you know, I mean, not just sticks, but, you know, like with, uh, with cake decorating and... Uh, uh, pottery wheel, pottery decorating, that sort of thing. I mean, the experts would have had to make damn sure that they knew their stuff before they come on. You know, they would have had to have made it, you know, got it right the first time because we, you know, we all make mistakes. But I mean, that you know, that's a that's a pretty good attempt. Uh, looks a little bit like Leonard Sachs who compared the uh, the good old days. <laughs> So the way it works is that Sandra now goes off and it's uh, that she'll come back to do some marking and it's now up to the contestants who now have 90 seconds to make their own glove puppet. Uh, thank you, Ronnie Hazelhurst, for, for providing the theme for the Muppet Show. Yeah, these, <laughs> these contestants, are, you know, I'm, I'm amazed that um, any contestant can actually do it well. You know, all, all that pressure, not not just of actually making a, a half-decent glove puppet, but doing it in front of a, an audience of millions, you know, and uh, and also a studio audience who are laughing at you. Ah, The Muppet Show. Yeah, I used to, used to love The Muppet Show, actually. I used to watch that a lot. I've got a feeling that was that was on... Was that on Saturdays? I've got a feeling it was um, late afternoon, early evening. We come back, me, me and mum, dad... Emma would go out and do the shopping, or we go we go out for a you know for a, uh, go out somewhere you know a day out or something, and then we come back and see uh, the Muppet Show. Unfortunately, the brain is a little bit foggy these days, which is uh, which is thanks to old age. Yeah, they don't seem to be doing uh, doing too badly actually. We're going to see the uh, the end results in a minute. Oh god! Ridiculous! I actually forgot the. Uh, actually forgot to make myself a coffee or a lemon which I could drink through this. So, uh, so uh, that um, that kind of siren noise that if if you heard it, that meant uh, that meant that the uh, time was up. Uh, Phillips is uh, is is very good, but for some reason. Sandra only gives him three out of five. I mean, 
Maybe if a task was actually painting a cat, he would, he would have scored top marks. Elsie's up next, um, and Larry says it looks like the producer. Although it, it looks nothing like Alan Boyd, unless Alan Boyd had a had a moustache back then. He, he, you know, he's a he's a Scots guy with glasses. But, uh, uh, poor old Elsie's only got two points. Uh, Trixie's Trixie's done very well. She's actually included a, a washing up glove as a gown, and uh, I suppose because of that, she gets four points, which is at least better than what Steve's done. I mean, uh, <laughs> what is, <laughs> he's only got eyes, no mouth, no moustache. Um, may, maybe it's a ba maybe it's a baby glove puppet. I don't know. He's he's too young. To, he's too young to grow the moustache. So, uh, unfortunately, Steve only gets the one point. Clearly not based on Steve, who's got, you know, longish hair and a beard. <clears throat> not not too bad with the, uh, the 70s fashions, though. That, you know, there's no dreadful hair. You know, so far there's no dreadful haircuts or, you know, excessive flares or wide lapels or anything like that. Um, nothing like that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Elsie and Philip have won their food to the next round. They've got 10 points ahead of Trixie and Steve, who got nine. But they still get a special door trophy to take away with them rather than a tankard, which has also been engraved. So, next round of contestants, who have we got next? So here we go. We've got uh, Danny and Sharon, who are father and daughter. Sharon's got a very sentence pen, actually. I'd, I'd take it all back. Every time I say something about, you know, oh, you know, that's not going to happen. Or nobody's got bad hair. Nobody's got 1970s hair, you know, whatever. And then Sharon comes on with uh, with a very trendy, 19s, for the time anyway, 1970s pen. So Danny is a, is a rough veteran. For 23 years, he comes from Lincoln. There's three children and two grandchildren. Uh, likes the theatre, and um, he, he first went to see Annie Get Your Gun when it was when it came out. Uh, but so yeah, from I actually uh, watched this one quite recently in preparation, and um, very good sports actually, Danny and Sharon. You know, they, they, they really get into the swing of the games with uh, with great gusto. So uh, up next, we've got Sharon. Uh, and, and this is a... Unfortunately, the uh, recording in real time, it means that um, there's various goofs that happen, like, uh, like in a minute. So Larry is reading all about Sharon, and then he's interrupted by um, the Time Up klaxon, which, which we'll hear go off in a minute, I think. No, yeah, Danny's giggling at the moment. No, it's, it's gonna. No, for, for some reason, um, Sharon spent her honeymoon in a cathedral, close to a cathedral. But uh, unfortunately for them, the uh, her Sharon and her hubby, the bells rang every fifteen minutes. So, uh, yes, probably not an easy one. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's the klaxon. <laughs> He said, Bruce trying to get through to us. <laughs> uh, <sorry. laughs> 
Yeah, I, I, I like those, those old goofs and the ad libs. You know, they, they. I think I think they just make the the, uh, the older episodes just seem a, li- a little bit more spontaneous and a bit more natural than uh, than the more modern day ones, which you know they, they iron out those kind of goofs and uh, you know they you know you you actually have to see the host of the hostess and the contestants actually having to think on their feet a bit more. As- <laughs> <laughs> um, unfortunately, for those that can't see, um, these next two contestants, Lynette and Tony, are uh, standing a lot taller than Larry. How tall are they, for God's sake? They're like six foot five tall or something. They make Larry look like a midget. I mean, it's uh, it's crazy. I mean, a, a quick look at. Um, Larry's IMDb profile it says he's the uh, same height as myself, which is five foot nine. Um, but I, I suppose it's like you know we talked about this in the last Generation Game podcast. Is um, uh, when me were my wife Alison, who is who is six foot tall, and she and she is noticeably taller than me. Yeah, he's, he's like how tall is Tony? He's like six foot five, six. I, I don't know. <laughs> yes, t- Tony's um, Tony's being asked if he's ever seen the film Valley of Giants, and uh, and uh, Larry's managed to sneak in another height gag about uh, staying at the top of Blackpool Tower. Oh, he's a, he's a, Tony's a little bit. Uh... <laughs> Apparently, yeah, Tony was born, originally born in Ceylon, but it's now Sri Lanka, which Tony rather sternly points out to Larry, but now living on the Isle of Wight. And he, yeah, I suppose he does look like James Stewart, actually. Uh, the previous week, we had a guy who looked like Reg Varney, and actually the real Reg Varney actually came in to surprise him. So, uh, they, they obviously like getting lookalikes. So moving on to Lynette, who for some reason has a mortal fear of revolving doors. I, I don't really, uh, don't really know whether that's to do with her height or what. I, I have no idea. But yeah, she's. I mean, she's easily six foot, six foot one, six foot two. I don't, I don't know. Who knows? But anyway, we're about to move on to uh, round three, and we are uh, about to. Uh, be entertained by Ronnie Hazelhurst, who is the the music composer for this show. And what he's going to do, he's going to conduct various famous theme tunes, which were linked with various well-known names. And all the contestants have to do is uh, match the theme tune to the name. So we've got names like Ken Dodd, Virilin, Max Miller, I think. So this should be a good one for Danny, because he's, he's quite a fan of the theatre. Yeah, um, Billy Cotton, Max Bygraves. Oh, I'll tell you a story. I should really do the other family th- fortunes one with the turkey episode, actually. Uh, yeah, Frankie Howard, Gracie Fields, Max Wall, Arthur Askey, Ivy Hazelhurst, relation to Ron? Ivy Hayes? I'm gonna have to look, you know, look that up on, um, Wikipedia later, I think. Was um, Ivy Hazelhurst related to Ronnie? So they're busy scribbling away. And, uh, I've, I've, I've got to say, I have no idea. 
this is uh, unfortunately this is uh, a little bit before my time see comedians don't really get theme tunes these days you know you don't really get a stand-up comedian walking onto a, a familiar theme tune um you, you don't really get you know identified by that anymore oh tommy cooper as well did tommy cooper have a theme tune Oh, yeah, I should also do a Tommy Cooper podcast. I mean, I, I, I just hope there's uh, there's some DVDs around that I can uh, quickly pick up on uh, eBay for a very cheap price. So, what have we got for um for the first one? And the first one is Billy Cotton. Uh, Tony and Lynette don't get it. They think it, oh, Norman Wisdom. We'll talk about him in a minute. Um, uh, and that, and yet, Danny and Sharon, of course, get it right. Uh, number two, which uh, ironically, Lynette and Tony think is Billy Cotton, which is obviously wrong, but it's actually Gracie Fields. I, I wouldn't have got any of these. I, I would have got, um, I would have got guesswork, pure guesswork. So number three, we've got Arthur Askey. Is the third one. Yeah, it is Arthur Askey. And uh, Larry's now explained that it's 40 years ago to the week. So October... Quick calculation, October 1938, but he uh, first appeared at the, the BBC Theatre. And uh, in this, by this time, he's apparently not feeling too well. So... Um, I don't, I don't know what happened to Arthur Askey after that. I'll, uh, I've got, I'm going I'm to have to occupy my time with uh, looking up Ivy Hazelhurst from uh, Arthur Askey on Wikipedia. So uh, Larry's just wished him to get well soon. So who's the next one? Max Wall? No, it's Max Miller. Max Miller. Yeah, it's Max Miller. So uh, Danny and Sharon doing well. I thought they would. Um... Yeah, Lynette and Tony don't really have the advantage here. So the final one, what's this? I think it's Vera Lynn. Uh, I, don't, I don't think it's Vera Lynn. Oh, no, Norman Wisdom, yes. No, I've, I've you know, I'm, apologies to any Norman Wisdom fans out there, but uh, no, I've, I've, I've never liked the guy. Because my mum tells the story, she when she was young, and she was at a bit um, a local faint in, in Sussex, and she went up to um, ask Norman Wisdom for an autograph, and he was and he just abruptly um, was rude to her. So I've I've never liked him since. So yeah, here it is. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, yeah. No one's rude to my mum for God's sake. Not even if you're, you know, rich and famous and not very funny. So they're now doing the old um, lost my voice routine, which probably by the end of the day, I probably will lose my voice with a stupid cold. But uh, Yeah, wisdom, uh, he, he used to pop up on quite a lot of things. You know, back in the day. They actually do keep up the, the special guest quotes. In fact, they pro by the time that Larry takes over, they probably have more... Um, famous faces than they did in Brucey's time, actually. Um, so obviously, um, everyone's still uh, wanting to appear on the on the Generation game. 
I'm not sure um, if if I had any on um, the recent Melon Sue. I, I never saw the Melon Sue one. I, I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm glad I didn't tune in because apparently it was uh, it was absolute rubbish. But uh, I think Danny Dyer was on there. I guess. All right, yep. Larry's now asking two stagehands to uh, get rid of Wisdom. Go on, dump him in the nearest rubbish stick. Go on, you know you want to. Uh, huh. So, what are the scores on the doors? Got, oh, Danny and Sharon have got top marks, 10 out of 10, and poor old Tony and Lynette only have two. So, I think they've, they've got a little bit of catching up to do, Tony and Lynette. So, we're on to game number four. And again, this was, um, this is quite a popular kind of game, which is, uh, um, making bread or at least forming a, you know, a knot with, uh, with bakers, though. Now, it's, it's not, um, because the, the one I've seen before is with, with a guy called George Ort. This one, um, you know, he ought to be on the show, actually. Uh, but no, this time we've got Wally the Baker who's come on. And he's going to demonstrate how, in bakery terms, you would make a Miller's Knot. And he's just come up with a classic doodle entendre. Don't be afraid to flex the dough. Uh, yeah. Innuendo time. So what you do is you take a piece of dough, roll it out, and you roll it up very precisely. And then you kind of sort of roll it around in several kind of little knots to make a, a very neatly arranged bread roll that you would see in a, in a bakery. And that's you know, very neatly done. And it's it's classic generation game fodder, isn't it? You know, for contestants because you know they're, they're hopeless of that sort of thing. They were you know they were pretty bad in the um, in the, the the George Ort one from nineteen seventy three, and that was a that was a that was that was a disaster. And I've got a feeling this is going to be a disaster for uh, for these four contestants who only have forty five seconds to actually uh, get it right. Oh dear, this is <laughs> this is not going well. I mean, I I don't really know what would possess a, someone to actually go on the generation game to actually go on there and make a complete fool of yourself. These people have, and they they're clearly not bothered about that. But unfortunately, you know, you, you, don't, you don't really get this kind of thing anymore. And at the time of recording, horror of horrors, I've read that they're thinking of bringing the X Factor back, which, ugh, um, which, which beggars belief, really. I, I, I just don't know why they would think of bringing that back, you know, with, a, with lots more of uh, Cow's karaoke puppets. Um, <laughs> what is that? Sorry, I'm, I'm not laughing at um I'm not laughing at my own jokes. I'm, I'm laughing at Danny's effort, which is... Uh, uh, he got three points for that. I mean, really? Sharon looks like a bow tie. And Sharon is one of those... Uh, one of those great gigglers. You know, they sometimes get contestants on who just... <laughs> who, can't, who can't stop giggling. And she only gets two. I actually think Sharon's was better than Danny's, but you know what? What can you say? Um, right, we're off to Lynette's, which is Larry said. Is it looking for a home? 
Well, he thinks it's worth four. He, he thinks it's something different. Well, there you go. Uh, what's what's Tony got? Tony, yeah, Tony's getting a very generous three points. Maybe he's maybe he's worried that um, Tony's going to thump him because he's like twice what his size. God. <laughs> so has that done enough to claw back for the competition? I, I don't know if it's Tony or not. I don't don't think it is. My rubbish maths that will work out that. Four and seven is no. They, they would still get nine points, wouldn't they? Yeah, Danny and Sharon win with 15. Tony and Lynette get nine points. So off to the Isle of Wight for you two with uh, with the commiseration prize of the Generation Game door. I mean, I, I don't know if the contestants actually still have doors. I mean, they probably, they probably worth a fortune on eBay. So off they go. So Danny and Sharon are now in the, the final round, which is about to come up. They'll be playing Elsie and Philip. And I've got a feeling it's going to be one of those kind of dance routines, which they, uh, they used to do. Everyone's dieting, according to Isla. Well, I, well, I certainly need to diet. You know, look at, looking in the mirror these days, it, it just depresses me, really depresses me. Um, but I'm, I'm not really sure that I should be doing um, a keep fit routine like the uh, the ladies of Worcestershire Keep Fit Association who are here to do a. Um, they're doing some bizarre routine with those little hoops that used no those big hoops that you used to get at school. Um, I mean, when when I was a kid, we used to have in PE, you get these kind of hula hoops that you kind of spin around or you used to um, use to capture. One of those little plastic, uh, those plastic, like cricket balls that you used to get. And they're using the hoops to do this um, rather strange routine where that you know they're just basically stepping in and out and looking kind of very ethereal while doing so. Hazelhurst uh, earning his money with another peppy classic. And here's, here's more ladies coming on from the uh, the association with the skipping rope this time. They're not going to do the uh, mother, mother, I feel sick. Send for the doctor, quick, quick, quick routine. They, they, no, they're just kind of waving the skipping ropes around their head. They're kind of very sort of ah, sort of faces, you know. They're kind of doing this routine at a very glacial pace. But, uh, are they actually going to skip? Are they going to ask the... the uh, contestants to actually skip. Oh, yeah, here we go. A very slow skipping mode to, uh, to make sure the contestants don't trip over. Other contestants now have to do this in a minute. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the sort of routine that would leave even me, you know, absolutely knackered. But actually, my... Um, my eldest daughter, who is uh, six years old, she saw uh, an old generation game the other day, and she was absolutely glued to it. Um, she she really enjoyed the dancing, and the uh, they, yeah, it was the one where they were making um, uh, a chick out of a chocolate Easter egg, and she and she really enjoyed it. She was you know, I mean, it's proof that you don't need 
you know, flashy gimmicks or flashy routines, dance routines, that sort of thing. It's it's just good old fashioned entertainment that you know both adults and the kids really enjoy. And I, you know, I, I know I keep saying this, but I do think it's a shame that they don't they don't repeat the old generation games on TV because uh, I, I I still think there's a ready market for them. And it's just uh, it's timeless entertainment for the family, I think. So um. Uh, Elsie and Sharon have now drawn short. Ah, Sharon and Elsie. That was that was a comedy, wasn't it? They drawn straws and. Uh... <laughs> they have to go to Larry's room, and there's um, uh, this week a close up of the smell of smelly feet, uh, which Larry clearly is not too impressed by. Um, but yes, the um, have... Sharon and Elsie have to pick straws. Uh, and the long whoever draws the long straw decides to get whether they go first or second. But this time, uh, Sharon and Danny are going first. Now, how are they going to do? I mean, Danny's a granddad, so uh, it's quite a young granddad. I mean, he doesn't look over fifty, does he? Looks a little bit like Tim Brooke Taylor, actually. Got the same sort of hair and face. Oh, no, no, they're getting into it. No. <laughs> no, he's, he's really getting into the swing of it, I think. Uh... <laughs> uh, Sharon, Sharon's not doing too badly. They now have to throw the hoop at each other. Danny's just concentrating on the on the on the ladies in the association, you know, very closely following their their routine. Now they've got to do the skipping. <laughs> no, there, there, there's no way I, I could do this. Absolutely no way. But clearly, this was uh, this was what the public wanted because, um, like like I said earlier, Bruce's big night. Didn't reach the top twenty, I think, for it for his second episode. I think part of the problem with Bruce's Big Night was that it was on too long. I mean, I think it was on for I think it was on for something like two hours, which is really kind of eating up the uh, you know the the a big chunk of the Saturday Night lineup. You know, you, I think you do need that bit of variety. You need to have something to keep everyone interested. And I think with a generation gave a. <laughs> Yeah, Dan Danny's really getting to, into the swing of it there. Yeah, no, he's doing well. You, you need that kind of, um, I think, an hour for a, a slot on Saturday night. I think it's just the right amount of time, which is really, I think, you know, I've, I've said this a gazillion times before, but this is where modern day programmers really come unstuck because they have strictly on for about two and a half hours. They have whatever entertain you know britain's got talent or whatever or the x factor that was on for like two and a half hours and it's always driven about ratings 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 you know it's like you know the x factor would go up against uh uh strictly you know it would go up against you know they'd be in competition against each other and really that's kind of what drives tv these days rather than actually coming up with good quality entertainment that everyone can enjoy um, yeah, Philip not really doing quite as well. I, I think Philip's just doing, going his own way and doing his own routine here. 
Oh no, actually, no, it's not like, yeah, Philip's actually not doing too badly. I think Elsie's kind of wondering what the hell's going on, you know. Elsie's kind of standing there like a statue. But yeah, I mean, it, it would not be easy to do this kind of routine. No way. Yes, Elsie um, and Philip have now got to do this bizarre kind of uh, skipping rope routine, which uh, they sort of wave, it, wave the skipping ropes around rather kind of serenely, and then they have to they actually have to spin around and then actually do some skipping. Should be interesting to see how Philip gets on with this. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I, and uh, again, I, I really don't understand why these are not available to download on, you know, on the BBC channel or, you know, buy as a download from Amazon or iTunes or why they just don't release a DVD or Blu-ray. I mean, it's, yeah, it'd be, it'd be great entertainment. And I think, you know, like I was saying before, you know, about, you know, um, my daughter enjoying these episodes, I, I think... Monday audiences would love it. So, the moment of truth. Um, the charges of Margaret and Margot, who are about to award the points, I think they're, they're in charge of the association. So, Danny and Sharon have got 19. Um, I don't think Elsie and Philip are going to get 20, are they? No, they get 18. No. So, normally at this point... Um, Larry says that he'd like to do um, a routine. He'd actually like to try the routine himself. And, yeah, he, t he tends to do this every week. And he inevitably makes a hash of it. He, he, he just doesn't, he, he just never gets it right. Um, whereas when Bruce used to kind of join in with the end game, you know, he would, he would always be pitch perfect. You know, he was kind of like perfect to the letter. But, uh, yeah, La Larry just... Always, always made a hash of it, and uh, but I, I, don't, I don't think he's going to do it this week. No, he's he's just going to hold a hoop up, and uh, and, and one of the dogs has just jumped through it. He's going to do the cock a hoop routine joke. No, I, I think he's done that joke already, actually. No, he's he's not going to do the routine, which probably would have been. Uh, a disaster as usual. <laughs> yeah, Isla is now uh, chastising Larry for not having a go at it. But I've got a feeling they're going to do a cheesy song and dance routine. Yeah, they are. Oh dear. Oh god, here we go. Yeah, anything you can do, I can do better song. Oh, my, my voice is where going. So apologies at the uh, the remainder of this podcast, and actually apologies throughout the whole podcast if I'm sounding a bit bunged up because uh, this blooming summer cold is just uh, not me a bit sideways actually. Good singing, but yeah, she used to. Yeah, I used to play. She used to be on one of those. Um, she used to. Um, I'm not quite sure what it was. Something like Travels with Isla or... 
That's another thing I'm going to have to look up on Wikipedia at the moment. She can hear those high notes. <laughs> but yeah, she used to yeah she used to go around and strum her folk guitar and she'd uh, you know she'd sing some songs and be a few locals and that. I don't know what she's still doing now. I'm not sure whether she's still making music or uh, uh, or what. I'm, Touring, or I'm not, you know, she could probably get quite a lot of money, you know, doing like a folk music tour. So at this point, it's uh, it's goodbye to Elsie and Philip, but they do get um slightly better consolation prizes, I think. They just used to get like a you know, a suitcase before, and uh, oh no, what have they got? They've got like a they've got a vanity kit each or something. I'm not sure, I'm not really sure if they. Philip would enjoy it, but no, yeah, normally they get like a portable TV or a tape recorder, but uh, uh, or you know, stereo central. I think I think one one episode, I think they get a dishwasher going out there, which is which is pretty good. So it's the same as before. It's the best of three questions, and um, they uh, they have to get the best of three right now. Whoever goes through gets to uh, try and win some prizes on the conveyor belt. Excuse me. Oh, yes, these questions are a lot more difficult. I mean, I these days, you know, you just get, um, you know, how do you spell what's the middle letter of cat or something like that, you know, and they probably wouldn't get it. But here you've got to uh, um, work out who wrote who wrote Treasure Island. I mean, I'm not sure I would have known that. Yeah, Stevenson. Uh, oh, yeah, how many years in the Silver Anniversary? Sharon's got it. So Sharon's off to the room with the loose in a minute, I think. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think Bruce would have uh, done that. You know, he's just uh, um, led the audience in a round of applause uh, for Danny being such a good sport. Yeah, I, I don't think Bruce would have done that. So, uh, yeah, off Danny goes. Going the wrong way, but uh, never mind. These contestants, you know, they, they're kind of like they're on wheels. I mean, they've had to, uh, they're always going the wrong way. So, yeah, time for the route, the, the route to the loot, as Larry calls it. Um, nothing really different, but, yeah, different different music for the... Uh, conveyor belt music because it's a variant on the, uh, the title music, just a sort of jazz instrumental. So what have we got this? And of course, there's a guy doing the voiceover. So what have we got? Some jugs and glasses. Hot plate is that? Same poor level of prices. <laughs> Stool, cuddly toy, hey! Scales, lamp, uh, sheets, table setting. Plates, kiddies tractor. What's that? Um, looks like pinball games. Picnic basket liqueurs. Roulette game. Uh, what else have we got? Hot plate. Oh, we've had a hot plate. I don't know what that was before. Hey, canine toy. <laughs> uh, can opener. What the hell is it? Shower unit. Uh, cutlery. Headphones. And Sharon now. 
has 45 seconds to remember. And she, they, in the Larry, in the Larry years, they now have to sit in a really uncomfortable looking kitchen chair. Before, in the Bruce years, they had like a comfy chair, which they had between the 75 and 77 series. Um, so it's, it's not really very comfortable to kind of recall. <laughs> so how's Sharon getting on? How, yeah, she's doing all right. I mean, they, they've got a bit of help from uh, from Larry in the audience who keeps shouting out the, the answers. I'm pretty sure you can hear Isla's voice as well, actually. Oh, it was a tea maker. Right, OK, I, I, I didn't get that. <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. Um, just... Uh... Yeah, see, even the time up buzzer doesn't work now, I think. Yeah, instead of a good dinchy do where it's now uh, what a lot she's got, she has got a lot. And there's K9 at the front. I mean, who, of course, K9 has to get the front, Billy. Of course, he does. That, that yeah, wonder, wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. We really enjoyed that. Great trip down memory lane. And uh, unfortunately, we've got somebody talking over the, the theme tune. But uh, yes, I really enjoyed that. I uh, hope you did too. Um, I'm going to be back with some more uh, Perpetual Outsider podcasts. But in the meantime, uh, this is me, John Bensalia, probably retiring off the bed with a Lemsip and uh, Brandy or something. But uh, anyway, thank you for joining me. And bye for now. <laughs>